Welcome to Unlimited Sports Daily. I'm Peyton Thomas. Today's episode is a topic near and dear to my heart about the growth of the world's game in the Cornhusker State. We'll hear from two influential figures in Nebraska soccer history that today's soccer culture wouldn't be possible without. First, we speak with chairman and owner of Bug Eaters FC, Jonathan Kura, who has taken his passion for the game and constructed a statewide youth development system with his very own hands. Jonathan Kalura, chairman and owner of Bug Eaters FC, welcome to Unlimited Sports Daily. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Peyton. Yeah, so when we talk about the first semi-professional or professional team in the state of Nebraska, you're clearly the guy to talk to. You were there from the very beginning, launched this project off the ground. So kind of let's start there. Where does the Nebraska Bug Eaters story begin? It begins with me in Omaha uh, as a kid uh, going to Creighton games and and watching uh, a coach who is uh, with the University of Nebraska system now, uh, Bob Warming. And so I I watched uh, Bob's teams when I was a kid. And uh, at the time, the U.S. didn't have a pro system in place, per se. And so I uh, became became a big fan of the English game and uh, fell in love with the English game. Uh, my, my club since since 1990 has been a, a club called Crystal Palace, which until uh, about a decade ago, no one actually knew who they were. And so my, my passion for the game started there. And in 2014, uh, I had the opportunity to invest in a club in England and have been involved in English football since then. Um, in 20. 17, uh, I co-founded a club in Napa Valley, California with a couple of buddies uh, there called Napa Valley 1839, uh, which plays in the NPSL, and wanted to do something in Omaha and in Nebraska specifically, and and had always had interest in in doing something back home. And so uh, when we looked at uh, the opportunity, and I say we because I have a fantastic team of of people who who helped me with this club. We were looking at where would be the best place to play. And ultimately that led us to Lincoln because of of the facility that we were able to secure. And we launched Bug Eaters, not as a city specific club, but as a state specific club. The intent of the club has always been a community focus to help develop local talent. And and that's what we have done. And we've been successful in doing so. We've had uh, multiple multiple pros uh, signed out of the league, the most notable being Danny Whitehall, uh, who played at Hastings and uh, last season played for Kilmarnock in the Scottish Premier League. And, uh, you know, the, the, the key thing for us is it's every dollar that comes into the club goes back into the program and helping develop the talent on and off the pitch. Uh, We have a fantastic coach, Scott Robertson, who is the assistant at Bellevue. All right, coach, congratulations on another great win against Minneapolis City. Can you break down what happened? Yeah, uh, first half, uh, I thought we played really well. 
we just didn't kind of find that finishing touch, that final pass. Uh, we have fantastic connections with a lot of the schools in the state. Uh, conveniently, uh, Bob Warming has been a big proponent of uh, bug eaters. In addition to that, uh, you know, we, we played, uh, the last season we played was at Morrison Stadium. And we know Johnny there as well, uh, who, you know, I, I watched when I, when I was growing up. And actually, when I was at the University of Nebraska, Johnny was playing at Creighton. And the mission is, is simply this, is it's, it's about the players that we field. And it's about uh, ensuring that they have uh, a, a program which will help enhance them in the seasons in which they play. And so uh, this season, uh, we are not playing, but we are actually hosting uh, an elite camp uh, with my friends from Ebbsfleet in the UK. Uh, Ebbsfleet plays in the National League. They're a full-time pro team and we're working with them and it's an invitational for uh, college players and we are going to help them with a three-day camp to get prepared for the fall season. And so that's just a continuation of what we are doing. Um, you know, the main thing about what we do is it's about the community. It's about giving back to uh, the local talent and helping the local talent develop. And like I said, you know, we are, we are focused on that mission and anything we can do to enhance that we will, we will aim to do, uh, you know, next season, we are looking at, at different leagues that we can potentially play in. Uh, you know, we obviously know them. I have quite a few connections across the U S we've been asked to play in a pro league before, and ultimately, my aim for the club is to stay at this level, mainly because the feedback that I've had from the players and those who have played with us is that we are making a difference for them. And, and that is how we measure success. That's terrific. COVID threw the 2020 season in the loop, and I know you just mentioned the 2021 season in the loop, so hosting trials, developing players. When you look at a club outlook across any division, any tier, any nation, obviously clubs want to win, but you don't come across a club every day where one of the core foundations is allowing players that run through its system greater heights in the future in allowing players to use the club as a stepping stone to get to clubs like Ebb's Fleet that's in the fifth division all the way across the pond in England or partnering with other clubs staying at a lower level in the United States. What we have done is this, is before we existed, there was a huge gap for talent in Nebraska. And so the likes of a, a Danny Whitehall, a, a Jack Bennett, they, they didn't have a place to play in May, June, July between season. And ultimately that's what we wanted to fill and help them. And so, you know, the, the, the key thing is, is that Bug Eaters is not a pay to play club. None of the players pay a single dime towards anything. We front all the costs and so that's why we consider ourselves semi-pro because we pay all the costs associated with it. We obviously cannot pay them. But if you look at the schools with whom we, we work with, UNO, uh, Concordia, Bellevue, Hastings, Midland, it, these, are, these are clubs that typically 
in those months wouldn't have a place to, to, to place the players. And so what we wanted to do was, was contribute to the community. This is a hobby for me. It's not as much a business. We do not intend to make money off of this. We intend to take any money we get and put it back in. And when I say it's a hobby, it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. We absolutely manage this club top to bottom like a pro club would be, uh, you know, from, from the uniforms to the match day experience and everything else. We've been very fortunate to have uh, Creighton University who allowed us to play at at Morrison Stadium. We have also played at Coniglia, uh, thanks to UNO. And so the, the feedback that I've had from coaches as well is, is thank you for, for doing this because there, there, haven't, there hasn't been anything like it uh, available for, for local talent at this level. I, I firmly believe that there's a tremendous gap in what I would call the U23 space for the talent that is, is there in Nebraska. And, and I'll add one additional one is, is I'm currently a director at a club in Scotland called Berwick Rangers. And I was connected to Berwick by way of Concordia University where uh, a, a player was actually from Scotland and his dad contacted me and, and wanted to see if I could get involved with them because he liked what we, what we do. But currently on, on trial actually this week is Jack Ara who played at Concordia and Jack, uh, actually scored a goal in his, his first game as a trialist against a, a Scottish Premier League club called Dundee United. So it's exciting stuff and it, it's a great way to, to be involved in. And I can tell you that we're actively partnered with Nebraska State Soccer, Michael Doria, Jordan Bartles, they're, they're actively involved. And the thing that I have found is you know, they have the same passion that I do to help develop the game. And so, you know, the number one aim we have is if, if somebody has a suggestion on what we can do to enhance things, we're always open to listening. Well, you keep mentioning passion and growing up in Omaha, in Nebraska, in a different era for soccer in the United States. And I, I don't mean to call you old, but I'm saying soccer has developed a, certain, a long way to now from when you were growing up in Omaha as a Palace fan. And like you mentioned, not many people knew of the mid-table Premier League club. And now with the internet and the way the game's expanded, uh, Crystal Palace has become, I don't want to say a household name, but a, a common club name when you talk to people that follow the game in, in, a, European at, or in a European environment. Why did Nebraska, Nebraska was sort of a late bloomer in the United States soccer realm. If you look across it, I mean, it, it kind of spawned on the coasts and then worked its way inward. Why do you think that is? I, I would argue that you're, you're looking at the pro game. Nebraska has always been the best amateur sports community. If you look at the state of Nebraska, it has some of the best collegiate athletes in the nation. Uh, and it always has had very good soccer. And so with, with UNO coming into play, that has been pretty substantial. And it, it's building a nice rivalry with, with Creighton as well. So in 1994, when I was at the University of Nebraska, the internet 
basically launched. And so it was access to the information. And so I remember sitting in a Nebraska computer lab and I would pull up information on scores, standings and everything else. And so these newsletter lists started where you could get more access to information. Ultimately, what happened was this, is that the English Premier League blew up when the television contract was signed with NBC and it became available to everybody in the household. Now, back in the late 90s, you could still see a game, one game a week, and you could still see some Champions League. And so, but those were on ESPN2. They were on at, at uh, times that people typically wouldn't watch them. And so you have to look at the development of the game in the U.S. alongside MLS, so to speak. So Nebraska... Nebraska's always been involved in it. And, and I would say that there has been a fan base for Kansas City in the MLS. Um, but ultimately, the, the pro game started taking root in the state, like I said, as NBC started. And so it was, it's always been access to information. Let's not overlook a couple things. Creighton University and UNO have had fantastic attendances. They've had fantastic support and fantastic followings and both have developed amazing talent. And so I would argue that when you say uh, adopting the game, you're, you're really focusing on, on the pro game itself versus the actual game in Nebraska. The game in Nebraska has been fantastic. Let's not forget that there was a, a USL club way back when called the Flames uh, that lasted several seasons. And so from a from an, a development standpoint, from a youth standpoint, Nebraska has been there the whole way. And I and, you know, the the stalwart is Creighton University in its programs, both men's and women's programs, which have been absolutely fantastic. But you are correct. It, it has taken some time, especially, you know, Crystal Palace, so to speak. Um, I I was always a Palace fan. I actually started the International Supporters Club. Uh, which ultimately, and I had the second Crystal Palace website on the internet, uh, well before an official website, but all of that ultimately got got knocked out. So I ulti ultimately, I, I changed from fan to finding a way that I could use my business expertise to get involved in it. And in uh, Bug Eaters has, has really become uh, something that, that I'm proud of. And, uh, and I know that we, we've had a pretty good impact on the community as well. So in a sense, similar to football or basketball, where nobody's expecting the state of Nebraska to get an NFL team next year or an NBA team next year, we may see the same natural development for soccer where, no, Nebraska's not going to pull in the next big market for MLS, but it's going to establish itself further as an identity with a good USL club, uh, an MPSL club or wherever the, the bug eaters end up, and a development state that has just a wealth of talent coming from all over the place, like you mentioned at the college level, Creighton, UNO, Hastings, all over the state at these small schools that are just popping up with soccer programs. I think what you're seeing is, I, I think you're seeing a shift to the attention to the local schools. I go back to something that I said, and it's, it's the information, how much information is available out there. 
Creighton has developed a fantastic fan base. UNO has developed a fantastic fan base. And it's all because of social media, the internet, and access to this information that you don't have to be there in person to be a fan. And online streaming of matches is something that's absolutely fantastic. And so you're absolutely right, is, is that I like the NFL example. Nebraska's not getting an NFL NFL team. It, it has something that is is actually, in my opinion, much better than that um, it, it, in its in its history and its program and, and its longstanding. And so the game in Nebraska, absolutely, we we can continue to develop as one of the best, one of the best states. I mean, look at Look at Diego, who played for us and then was drafted by the Timbers. He has a tremendous opportunity, and what a great story that is. And so there is a lot of talent that has the ability to play at the next level. I would argue that uh, I would argue that the level at which we play, the level at which a lot of these schools play, people would be amazed at, at how talented this is and, and how uh, close it is to I would say the games in England that I've watched, um, but it, you know, we don't have, unfortunately, the same system that they have. And there's a reason for that. The United States is a very different place when it comes to distance between clubs, uh, history of the clubs, et cetera. But I would argue that the talent that we develop here is as good as, as, good as any. Um, and I, I would say, look at the schools, such as Hastings and Midland and Concordia, et cetera, who have amazing programs. And that's really what, what we have focused on. But again, if we can develop that content and we can bring it, uh, bring it to the attention of people in the state of Nebraska, that is, that is making a difference in my opinion. If you think of sports content in Nebraska as a pie, football has always and will always take a huge slice out of that pie, very close to the heart of so many people that live in Nebraska. But I think we can both agree that soccer is starting to take a larger slice of that pie. In terms of match day support, atmosphere, I know you've moved around, originally playing in Lincoln in 2019. Now you mentioned you share Morrison Stadium in Omaha with Creighton. What can fans who go to Bug Eaters games in the summer eventually when you do start playing competitive matches again, what can they expect from that sort of experience? Because it is different than a basketball game or a football game in terms of the type of support and the way that the game is played. I liken it to independent baseball. You know, we we have a pro match day. Pro match day from ticketing, pro match day from concessions, pro match day from on and off the pitch. We execute at the highest level possible and they can see local local players, local talent playing together under a different system uh, in a highly competitive match. And, you know, I use independent baseball as example because uh, those are guys who are, are playing because they love the game and they're ultimately usually, usually in development. And so we're very similar to that. And so 
um, there's a lot of passion that happens. We focus on, on youth fans. And so any of our, our matches that we have had, we ensure that, that, uh, that local youth and uh, academy partners that we have had have access to the, to the games. And so um, one thing we enjoy is, is that watching them come to the games and ensuring that, you know, if they want to meet the players, we can, we do that after the game. And that's a big thrill for, for the, for the players as well. But the, the most important thing is, is that it is a, it is a game that is played at a high level. It is done in a professional way and it's seamless in, in all ways. Anyone coming to, to a game will, will look at it and, and think it is, is a pro level. And I, I flash back to uh, the Omaha Lancers. When I was in high school in the early 90s, uh, the Omaha Lancers were a big deal, and they were a big deal to me uh, in, the, in the USHL. And you would go to those games, and you would think it was a pro game. And I would say we're very similar to that as well. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's passion about something that's local, something to, to get involved with. And one thing you'll note is, is that we didn't label ourselves as a specific city. And we labeled ourselves as, as bug eaters, mainly because we represent the whole state of Nebraska. And whether we're playing in Omaha, whether we're playing in Lincoln, it, it, it's, all, it's all about the local talent and the local community. We have fantastic connections in Lincoln. We have fantastic connections in Omaha. The uh, facility in Omaha is, is arguably one of the absolute best in the nation, if not the best in the nation. And so, you know, we were very fortunate to, to have the 2019 season there. But ultimately, for us, it's, it's about the mission. And we absolutely appreciate those who have supported us. Uh, and, you know, the, the match days we've had, you know, we, we get a decent attendance, we get uh, 400 to 500 typically. Uh, and a lot of that is going to be uh, young fans who, who come to the games and enjoy it. Um, you know, one thing that we've been very successful with is, is the merchandise. And we offer the merchandise at, at a, a low cost option to, to the fans and to, to get the name out. And, and every dollar from that goes back into the club and, and the, the costs associated with the season. Branding yourself as all of Nebraska, and this can extend past the match day, you're not just focused on the Lincoln community, the Omaha community, the rest of the state, but as a whole, what kind of support system have you seen from the community as they've embraced this club? We've had tremendous support, especially from the, the college coaches. Uh, we have a lot of fans who have connections to those schools who have supported us as well. Outside of the state of Nebraska, we've had tremendous support. And that support has come because of the, of the mission that we have. Um, we have a ton of fans uh, in the Northwest. We have a ton of fans in New York. And we have a great following in Detroit and Chattanooga. And, you know, we, we embrace all of that. And, and you know, we are thankful for everybody who has, has supported us and given us the opportunity to, to continue this mission. But locally, it's been fantastic. You know, the connections we have with the local youth programs, uh, with the local coaches, and, and all the fans who have attended the matches, it, it's, it has been 
fantastic support and, you know, getting 400 fans at a game is, is, is exciting and it's enjoyable and it's good to see a, a, a crowd at a match and taking a step back and going, this was an idea I had and I developed this and it's influencing people. And for me, that, that, that's meaningful. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that, that we are filling a gap. And ultimately, you know, I have been asked to, to do something at the pro level. And ultimately, that's not what we are about. We're about focusing on, as I've said, the, the, the amateur athlete who, who is absolutely talented and looking for a way to get to that next level. What is Nebraska Bug Eaters to the average Nebraskan 10 years down the road? 10 years down the road, they'll know that we are one of the well-established semi-pro teams in the nation. Look to our neighbors to the east with the Des Moines menace. Absolutely the best program, in my opinion, in the United States who has been there, developed, and they have stayed at that semi-pro semi -pro level. They are meaningful to that community. That's who we intend to be like, is, is to focus on developing and to be like them. We, one thing I should mention are the clubs that we have played are clubs that we have a tremendous relationship with. And they are well-established clubs who have professional type programs like we do. And so, you know, that's, that's how we, we've been able to measure ourselves is what do our peers think of us? And it's a good, it's, it's been quite positive. And so 10 years down the road, I would think that we will be more known than we are today. That said, I think that we will be looked at as a club that has focused on a gap in the community. You know, I've, I've used the terms independent baseball. You know, look at, look at the Salt Dogs establishing themselves and having a tremendous following. And the, but the big one, the Omaha Lancers. Omaha Lancers are still absolutely doing well. But I look at, at the development, you know, the, the guys who played were, went to high school with me at, at Westside. And, and ultimately, we want to be that pillar in the soccer community at this level. That's what we want to be. And we will, we'll do everything we need to, to, to establish that. Um, but, you know, I, I focus on the tremendous relationships uh, that we've been afforded. And, you know, I go back to Bob Warming, who, you know, I grew up watching, and now he's, he's a tremendous propon proponent of our program. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for those opportunities. But 10 years down the road, the mission will be the same. We will continue, even if we have one fan in the stands. It's it, all that matters is focusing on the development of the players and helping fill that gap and giving players an opportunity to play. Oh, that's terrific, Jonathan. I want to thank you again for joining us and talking with me in depth about this game in Nebraska, so much of it under the surface in the communities, in the smaller schools. And thanks for joining us and helping us grow that further. Thanks, Peyton. And I'll leave with this, this final comment, which is, you know, the state of Nebraska has a tremendous 
love of the sport and is doing amazing things at the youth and amateur level. Coming up, we hear from the head coach who almost won it all in his very first year at the helm. Coach Jay Mims joins us from Union Omaha. Coach Mims, thanks for joining us on Unlimited Sports Daily. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So you're now the current head coach of Union Omaha, and your team sits on top of the USL League One as we speak. But I want to focus on how we got here and your roots first, which have deep ties to the state of Nebraska. So what is your professional history in Nebraska? Well, professional work history um, goes back to my days at Creighton University. So I first came here um, in the early 2000s to work with one of the more established soccer programs in the in the country. And I was fortunate enough to work for uh, for Bob Warming, who uh, who hired me and was uh, was there for 10 years as an assistant coach and learned a great deal and had a great time and still have great relationships with a lot of the people that I uh, coached and worked with. So that was fun. And then I, you know, followed uh, Coach Warming to Penn State for a couple of years to go to the Big Ten and see that side of things. You know, a lot different from working at a small Catholic Jesuit university uh, to a uh, one of the largest public schools in the world. And so that was an eye-opener for me from an education standpoint. And um yeah, I learned a ton in those two years, even from a soccer standpoint, going from the Missouri Valley Conference to the Big Ten Conference. It was just, it was really, really neat. Um, you know, we were going from Creighton to everyone, you know, wanting to get a good result versus Creighton and try to get a point versus us and, you know, playing on all kinds of different facilities and different locations here in the Midwest compared to the Big Ten where, um, you know, every game is, everyone's got beautiful facilities and everybody uh, wants to, wants to win the game. There's not really, no one's really happy with a tie. And so that was, that was really cool. Uh, you know, seeing that transformation in those two years and then uh, Trev Alberts and Mike Kemp from UNO, their athletic directors there called me up to start the UNO soccer program and to be their head coach. And I did that for about seven seasons. And that was probably the most fun I've had and, and most rewarding and most challenging uh, probably professional job that I've had, you know, starting a program is it's uh, something I'd recommend for, for people to do. Cause, cause of all those things I just described, it, it's an amazing experience. And, but I, I was fortunate to have good people with me and uh, good people around me to be able to uh, go through that process. And we were pretty proud of what we built there from kind of redoing Coniglia field and playing back on campus to, you know, making the team a top 25 team and, you know, winning a lot of conference championships and getting to the NCAA tournament and producing professional players and also uh, producing great professionals that are working here currently in Omaha that are in the, you know, their work field. So that was a fun experience. And then went to Salt Lake City for a couple of years and then back to back to Omaha with uh, this new endeavor here with, you know, it's almost been three years with Union Omaha and kind of starting this professional team up from scratch. And as you mentioned, we're in the middle of year two of our season and uh, top of the table right now. So, yeah, things are going pretty well. So I want to get to your inaugural season that we can talk about here and beyond. But last uh, or sorry, April 2019 was when 
the USL officially announced that pro soccer was coming to Omaha and the state of Nebraska. And I know you were uh, with the Monarchs at that time. You were bouncing around. But with all the time you spent in Omaha, what was that moment like for the city? I don't know what it was like for the city. Probably some people really happy. Some people really mad. <laughs> some sad. I don't know. I don't know. But for me, it was great personally to be able to reconnect with all of my friends and uh, you know family here and um, you know all of my coworkers and colleagues that I left for a couple of years. I think it was cool to come back and um, you know make them obviously feel a part of it and uh, you know be a huge huge part of it going forward. And I think that was great. That was the coolest thing to just see all the people at that initial press conference. I think that was uh, there was a lot of buzz about it and just to reconnect with all of those old faces and and names and from you know the past and future and just so many soccer people excited not not for necessarily me but for uh, us having pro soccer in Omaha and you know for me to be able to be chosen as that person to help lead this uh, endeavor and lead this challenge I think that was that was what I was most excited about and obviously having experience doing it on the college level totally different but it's still starting something from scratch so I was confident in uh, you know my ability and and to be able to, to do this the right way. And, you know, I think we'll, you know, we missed on some different things, but I think overall we hit a, you know, we did really, really well with the name, with the brand, uh, with the launch, just with, you know, with the team, with the culture, it was, uh, it was great. There's not a lot of things that would change looking back on it. I, I think you have to have some luck. You have to have some help and you have to have great people around you. I, and I had all those things. So, um, we were, I was fortunate, but it was, yeah, it was definitely an exciting time coming back to Omaha place, you know, city that I love. Well, I know the badge and the team, the branding, everything relates back to the city's roots and its history. And that just ties everything together perfectly heading into your inaugural season. So after it being announced in the spring of 2019, the team was set to compete in 2020, which they did. However, it wasn't as any of you guys had expected. There were a lot of doubts for a while as COVID-19 was on the rise. Then you eventually did play, but it was with a limited capacity crowd in 2020. What was the communication like on the club side about whether you guys would be able to play and when you found out you would actually be able to play? Yeah, I think that was just scary times for everybody. nobody knew and for us it was just it's hard when you don't have a timeline and you're just going day by day day by day day by day sometimes mentally that can uh, play a toll on you so for me it was easy to not focus on maybe myself of that standpoint which it was it, to focus on our team and so that made it probably personally easier for me going through this COVID you know COVID phase because it was hard for everyone and and I think uh, it was to be able to focus on that team was a good, you know, it was good for me to have a challenge because you got a bunch of guys that moved here from all over the world, all over our country that were in Nebraska for the first time ever. And then six weeks later, they're, you know, have to stay in their apartment. It was a really, you know, challenging time for me, but it was a great time to be able to really engage these guys and let them know that we're here for them and to lead them and to show them that everything's going to be okay and that we're going to get through this together and we're going to be all right. And, you know, thankfully we were able to navigate it and um, get through it. And then, yeah, the moment we found out our first game is definitely going to happen and we're going to have all these things called COVID tests and, you know, once a week and wear masks and these things. I think it took a while to get used to it. But, uh, you know, as soon as you hit that, you know, 
first airplane and first bus ride, you start, you know, you start getting used to it and um, to, to the new normal. I think it was, you know, everyone called it a new normal. And so that was, uh, it was definitely challenging, but I, I think it was a great moment when we heard what we're definitely going to play because we were one of the first uh, leagues to play and we were one of the first things in Nebraska here to play obviously baseball being canceled out here at Warner Park. So we took great pride in it as well, thinking that, you know, people, you know, can come out here and, you know, live through us and watch us, even though, you know, it's COVID was going on, but we did it in a safe manner here. And I think it was great. You mentioned we had, you know, uh, crowds that were very limited, but they're also sold out. And we I think we led the USL in attendance last year with these COVID restrictions. So we tried to take a thing that was very negative into a positive. Yeah, the club continued to sell out once they finally did take the pitch. And as you would expect from the outside looking in, not knowing what the locker room looks like with an inaugural season, expectations somewhat all over the place so, since there's so much unknown. And you guys continued defying the odds week after week and winning. You guys were one of the strongest sides over the course of the regular season in USL League One in your first year. Cutting to the top, looking for the strike, bends it! Oh, what a goal! Molina strikes and silences the crowd here. Klaus fires it in, headed away, and that's all. Nuhu stands on his head in stoppage time to preserve the victory. And Union Omaha now in second place at 26 points. Yeah, we... Uh... I mean, obviously expectations were us. We wanted to compete every game that we play in. And, you know, pro soccer, it's a very thin margin of three points and one point and zero points. And so our goal was to compete and put a great product on the field that's entertaining for uh, the fans. And also it's going to work hard and be very, uh, you know, very engaging to the community and to the fans and just a, a attractive style that people can watch and, you know, and we have play intelligently, play with some savvy, um, play hard, play aggressive, um, and play uh, with the quality that we had. We have, uh, you know, show the quality of players that we had. And I think we were able to do that. And you never know how many wins you're going to get. But, yeah, you're right. We had, a, we had a great year, and we were one game away from winning the championship. And, we you know, we finished the start of the year on a USL record of, uh, unbeaten streak uh you know it's still a record in the usl and we finished the year on a really good streak so we were happy with how we started and how we finished and i think you're always going to have a stretch in between that you're trying to figure your team out and figure different things out with injuries and covid and things like that but we were able to manage it and close on a on a great note going into 21 here well i want to get to the final in a minute because obviously ended with a little bit of a sour taste, but it was an incredible regular season that came down to the final day. The top two teams advanced the final and you guys grabbed second, qualified for that final. Tell me about that moment when you guys realized, well, at the time thought that you were going to be playing for some silverware in your, in your first season. Yeah, we knew what we had to do down the stretch. We had to win, you know, our last couple of games. We knew it was going to be tough with, you know, one of them first place. Greenville at Greenville and then closed out with a home game versus a good Miami team. Um, we knew we had to win them both and have a little bit of help. And we, uh, you know, we did. Body goes flying. Conway takes it down the volley. Conway, he got the goal. Perfect volley. One nil Owls. 
three minutes away from making it to the final. And it was pretty cool. I mean, we, we took all 90 minutes. You know, we scored in the 92nd minute against Miami to, uh, to get that goal. And I think it was exciting for the fans that were here and pretty cool moment because we knew at that time that, that there was a result that went our way at halftime. And so all we knew is we had to win the game. And uh, to get that goal, you know, in the dying seconds of the game, it's a pretty dramatic way to do it. And, yeah, the guys were obviously fired up. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing feeling for sure. Final whistle, Union Omaha on their way to the League One final in their inaugural season with a 1-0 win over Fort Lauderdale CF. Well, a special team in what seemed like it could have been a storybook, fairy tale type ending, there were very few that could stop you guys on the pitch over the course of the year. However, just hours before the final, it was kind of our all, all of our common enemy in 2020, the one we can't really see that took you guys down a couple of positive COVID-19 tests at really the worst time. Disappointing news breaking today is the 2020 USL Championship. Means that final. Union Omaha could not compete in the championship game and the title was awarded to the Greenville Triumph on points per game. Yeah, you know, that was disappointing. And we we're, were one of, I think, the only USL teams all year that had zero positive COVID tests. And, you know, week after week after week, we, we had literally uh, nobody positive the whole entire season. And then that last week, I think that's when it was obviously starting to get into Missouri and Nebraska. It was starting to get into the Midwest. And, you know, we had a, uh, you know, a front office member have it. And then that thing spread like wildfire fire, as we found out. And the next thing you know, we got, you know, one guy out and a couple of guys out. And, yeah, they just spread quickly. And, yeah, the, you know, the league decided to, you know, award Greenville the championship. And, <laughs> you know that was uh, that was tough to hear. You know we, we didn't we didn't know what to expect. If you know we were gonna just go down there and play with what we had, because we had enough to field a team for sure, or uh, go uh, wait a couple weeks, you know, and then and then play the game. You know we had it just happened so quick, and I think the league will even tell you, you know, if, if we had to do it all over again, and now that we know more about COVID and more about all these cancellations and delays, I think maybe we could have uh, handled it a different way, but. You know, we're with us being one of the first leagues to kind of deal with some of these things. I, I think it was, you know, it's, it's hard for anybody. There's not really a precedent. So it was tough, but, you know, it is what it is. And I think it doesn't, you know, take effect, you know, the way that, you know, the great year that we had and, you know, what we accomplished in year one. It was amazing. And so we'll never, we'll always have that and know that. And that was our final to be in and our championship to win. So. Well, hindsight, clearly 2020 looking back, but that was pretty much it. No final was ever played. A heartbreaking way to finish, obviously, seems almost worse than losing it on the pitch where at least you got to compete and try to win the title. The Owls, you guys stripped of that from a virus that stripped so much from all of us in 2020. Flash forward, we're now in 2021. We're not out of the woods yet, I would say, but we're certainly in a better position than we were last fall. And... Union Omaha are once again stronger than ever on top of the table, only one loss so far. Where does the club go from here toward the rest of the season? Yeah, but we, we, uh, we've definitely had a great start. Uh, great start again. We've continued kind of where we left off last year, and our guys definitely have something to prove. And, um, you know, guys are competing well, but we know it's a long season. We're almost halfway through, so we have a lot of games left, a lot of points still on the table. But... We also had a difficult stretch. You know, we played a lot of games on the road already uh, because of the baseball season here. And so, if we can if we can win our home games and you know get some 
get some decent results on the road, I think we'll be in good shape going forward. And, you know, we want to obviously compete for a championship and, and uh, you know, obviously make the playoffs and all that good stuff. And we, we try to win every game that we play, but we know every game's tough, you know, from top to bottom. It's There's no easy teams. And I think that the league is very competitive. There's a ton of parity in it. And uh, we know that and our guys know that. So we don't take anything for granted. In it, um, we just we're fortunate that we get to play play games like you mentioned. Is last year we got stripped of some of the season and you know the championship, and so we just don't don't take that for granted. We play every uh, every weekend that we get to play a game. I think it's great news, and we're always excited about that. And you know, always even more excited when we get to play at at home here. So uh, um, if we can, yeah, continue the stretch and try to stay healthy. I know we've had we've had some tough injuries. We've had a couple of our better players out right now. We've had them out for a while, but we've managed it. But we just got to continue to have next guy, you know, the, the next guy up mentality and other players step up. And, you know, our league is still about, it's about winning, but it's also about development. So, you know, some guys will get their chance that maybe they didn't have a chance when other guys were healthy. And that's what you got to do. And you got to be able to have some depth in this league and, and compete. And so we hope to, you know, finish off the year how we started. A contender once again, this young club who's captured the heart of the heartland will attempt to charge back into the postseason in 2021 with the hope to be able to compete for the USL League One championship and bring the first piece of professional soccer silverware to the state of Nebraska. All right, Coach. Well, I want to thank you for joining me again today on Unlimited Sports Daily. Best of luck to you and your strong squad as you head further into the dog days of the 2021 season and you get down to the gritty of it in the fall. Hopefully you guys will get to play this time. Man, Peyton, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was great. And yeah, we're, we're uh, crossing our fingers that we'll, uh, we'll be able to complete the season here and everybody will be healthy. And that's what we want for, for everything and uh, for everybody. So um, thanks again. And yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Peyton. Nebraska soccer is in good hands. With a system designed for growth at Bug Eaters FC, up to one of the strongest teams in the USL at Union Omaha. As locals continue to watch and celebrate from the touchlines, Nebraska continues to become more of a soccer state. Until next time, this has been Peyton Thomas with Unlimited Sports Daily. Thanks for listening.